Good morning, Grace Point. As Mike mentioned, I'm Daniel Franklin, and I am excited. I mean, really excited to be here. Uh, this is uh, maybe my first Sunday in 12 years that I didn't have to set up in Kid Nation. So, so whew, there's one victory. The other, the other victory is over here. People carry stuff out for you. So that's fantastic. I feel like I have arrived here this morning uh, out of the minor leagues of kid ministry for a little bit. You know, it is such a blessing to be here. As Mike said, he's really poured into both me and Tiernan over the last year. And uh, we don't take it lightly that we have the opportunity to stand before you and speak the word of God. And as I was preparing, I came across this quote from a guy named Charles Spurgeon. And it says, it's not that we need to hear new truths, but that we need to be reminded of old truths often. And that's my prayer today is that I'm not going to come up here and tell you things that you haven't heard before. Uh, my, my hope and my prayer over the last few weeks is that these old truths would sink in and resonate in your heart. And as I've been preparing, God has just been working on my own heart. So what you're going to hear today, and I'm a storyteller. That's what I get to do every week. So you're going to hear a lot of personal stories. That's just who I am, and I can't quite get out of that. But uh, I want us to get into the Word of God above all. And I want His truth to set in to you this morning. So I want to... Not everybody here knows me. I've been here for 12 years, but I'm usually... If you see me, I'm, I'm usually the guy who's kind of walking in late because we're setting up and doing stuff over in Kid Nation. And, but I have the wonderful privilege of being married to this woman right here. Her name is Leodger. It was McKay. Franklin changed that one 14 years ago. Boom. You need proof that there's a God? Look who I got to marry, right? That is fantastic. I prayed a lot for that. I used to be a lot better looking, so that helped out a little bit. But mainly God. Mainly God. And then, you know, since we moved here, uh, we've also been blessed with two boys. I have my oldest one. His name is Cooper, and my youngest is Colby. And I'm telling you, God has placed it on my heart to be the best husband and father that I can possibly be. That is like high up on my list. If you're in any of my men's ministry stuff that, that I do uh, here at Grace Point, then you know that I, I talk about our pursuits, pursuing God, pursuing your wife, pursuing your family. And that is just, I, and I don't get it right most of the time, but I have to keep telling myself these are the things to, to check into. Now, my wife, you have to understand a little bit about her. She grew up in West Texas, West Texas in Lubbock, and I met her in college. I went to Wayland Baptist University, and I was a strapping baseball player there. Um, and she, uh, she just couldn't keep her eyes off me and I finally wore her down. But, uh, she comes from a family of like some pretty strong men and like, you know, the Mr. Fix-It guys, they're all like farmers and things like that. And so as we were young marrieds, uh, living here in, in Northwest Arkansas, we bought our first house and my dishwasher goes out. I'm not necessarily one of these guys that can fix everything, unfortunately. But I didn't want my wife to fully know that, right? So I did what any guy would do in that situation. Instead of swallowing 
my pride in making a phone call, I went in the bathroom and I Googled it real quick. Got a little YouTube. I'm like, okay, this is what I think. I mean, the thing's just not turning on. I don't, I got nothing to go off of here. So I go out in the garage and I, I'm looking for my tools, which I, they're just scattered wherever, like the two of them, the hammer, the screwdriver, come back in, open the thing up, start looking at it, you know, like I know what I'm doing. And I start messing, like it could be the switch. Um, let me unscrew this and see what it looks like. Oh, there's a lot going on in here, right? You know? And so, I come to the conclusion after all of my exhaustive research that the motherboard's out on this thing. Like, I, you know, you can't fix anything like you used to, you know, because of all of this computerized stuff. And I finally talk my wife and let me call somebody to come in and to work on this thing. You know, the, the maintenance guy comes in and he looks at it. And, you know, I can't just sit there and, and not let him know that I... I didn't try to fix this thing on my own, right? And I started running them through everything as if I had known it for years, right? And I just learned it 30 minutes ago. And um, he goes in. He goes, oh, okay. He goes up underneath the sink, opens it up, looks in, grabs the plug, and plugs it in. <laughs> Failure. $75 later, I paid someone to plug in my dishwasher. Luckily, I didn't break too much stuff trying to fix that thing. And that's a funny story. But isn't that kind of what we do as Christians in our faith a lot of times? We spend all this time trying to fix ourselves. We spend all this time trying to make it look like we've got it all together. Like, oh, uh, yeah, them over there, I know that they're doing Bible studies with their family, so I'm going to do that. Or, man, I know that, oh, yeah, he... He just posted a picture of his coffee and his Bible on Instagram. So, man, I, I got to get back in my word, right? Because I'm not measuring up to everybody. So I got to start trying to do all these things so I can measure up to God. Whenever at the end of the day, all we simply need to do is plug into the power source. And I wish that I could stand up here and sit on stage and say, man, I've had this thing figured out forever. Ever since I was a Christian, became a Christian when I was 16, I've been plugged into this power source and I've just been off and running ever since. But I find myself continually being distracted from the things of God. And I continually find myself looking for other ways to plug into power instead of going directly to the source in Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times whenever I'm struggling... Uh, it says, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, we didn't attend church very often. Whenever I got saved when I was 16, I started, uh, I started, uh, going to church and I would bring home the worship, uh, service guide. And I just, I knew I loved God and I wanted to lo- love him more. And so my Bible study was basically read the scripture, sing the songs that they printed on there. And I'm terrible at singing. So the rest of my family was probably like, what is he doing? They're like, he's speaking in tongues in there, right? But no. It's, uh, and I would just go through this and I would say the Lord's prayer and I was like, oh man, God, I hope I'm just doing this right, you know? And that was what I did. But man, I fell in love with the New Testament, especially with, with Paul, because he came from such a drastic change as someone who was, uh, persecuting Christians, as someone who was on fire for God, someone who was correcting and rebuking people into the faith. But now I also like the New Testament from this standpoint of, you know, the, obviously the work of Jesus and how he came and he lived this perfect life. And, but the really sweet part of it to me 
and it has become an extremely sweet part, is where Jesus is talking to his disciples like the last days because he knows that he's going to die. Now, in my family, I've had a family member, my uncle, who I was really, really close with, uh, had terminal cancer, uh, ended up passing away. And it's terrible, right? It's just terrible if you ever walk that walk with somebody, seeing someone so strong become so weak. But there's the sweet part of that is the conversations that you get to have with people when they know that their time is limited. And I remember sitting there and him just telling me, I'm so proud of you. And I remember him telling me things like, man, you are doing a great job. I remember saying, these are things you need to focus on because life is short, right? So I look at Jesus, and as he's sitting there with the people that he loved most, his disciples, I love reading the words that he says to them. So if you'll turn with me to John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And I don't want to take away necessarily from everything that's... um, that I'm going to come up here and I'm going to do my best to communicate. But if Jesus were to come here today and stand right before us and say these words, that would be pretty special, wouldn't it? So I want you to sit back and realize these are the words of Jesus Christ to those he loves. Now I want you to know this, that Jesus loves every single one of us in here. So I want you to think of it from that, like Jesus loves me and this is what he wants to say to me. In verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and the words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus does not waste any time here. In the very first verse, he tells us who the power source is. He says right there, he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And you got to think, up to Jesus' coming, there was like 400 years of silence. And the Jews were sitting back and they were just waiting to hear from God. And you can see in the Old Testament, it is amazing the things we as Christians believe in, right? That was the hardest thing for me when I first became a Christian. It was like, wait, you believe someone really got swallowed by a well, was in his belly for three days and then got spit up? 
and still like was alive and could do things or or and the parting of the red sea that's pretty amazing right i mean come on and then the other thing that i think is almost even crazier is that wait if those really happened and uh the israelites saw that happen then how come they keep falling away from their faith i mean that's hard to believe too i mean they saw god work in this miraculous way and then boom you know that's crazy to me so 400 years of silence and they're trying to do their best, you know, following the law, trying to measure up religious activity, doing all they can. And along comes Jesus and then bang, things start to change, right? Jesus starts to do things in a way that they haven't ever seen. He starts to fulfill all these prophecies. Jesus starts to perform all these miracles. He starts to ruffle some feathers because they're like, wait a second, that's not how we've been doing things, right? Jesus came and everything changes. And Jesus is telling his disciples, like, listen, I am the true vine. There's all these other false vines out there. There's all these other things that y'all can plug into, but mm, I'm it. And this is part, uh, in John, they have these, they call the I am statements. There's seven of them all throughout John. And you see in uh, John 6.35, and Jesus is just really showing his deity and why he has come. But he says, I am the bread of life. You know, he sustains me. He says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. And getting rid of that darkness, right? I am the gate, John 10, 9. Uh, in John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. You know, there's that song out right now, you know, where he, he's the good shepherd. He leaves the 99 to pursue the one. He's the good shepherd. He has, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then the seventh one, he's, I am the vine. Jesus establishes the power source very quickly. Well, that's the role of Jesus in this passage. Well, he also gives us the role of his father, right? He says, my father is the vine dresser. And it says real clear, clearly, every branch in me that does not bear fruit You know what he does? He takes away every branch that does bear fruit. He prunes and that it may bear more fruit. So there's two roles of the father here, right? The first role for if you're not bearing fruit, he's going to take away or he is going to lift up. That's another translation of that word takes away. He said that he can lift up. He is going to help keep you healthy. The father is going to say, you're plugged into Jesus. You're plugged into the vine. So that you're not down on the ground here getting too much moisture. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to plug you in. And I'm going to tie you in so that you can continue to bear fruit, right? So you can continue on your way. Another thing that a lot of uh, scholars believe is that when you're talking in this time, he's talking to the disciples. Their uh, target market out there is going to be uh, Jews. And so Jews are plugged into the Father, right? They believe in in the, that he's the way they want to follow the law they're saying that jesus is now with me being the true vine the way right if they don't plug into me and the father takes away so we'll continue on whenever you whenever you're looking at um the second part of what the father does if you're bearing fruit you could think i'm on the right track i'm plugged in the vine and fruit is appearing That seems like a good thing, right? And I kind of wish it said something different. I kind of wish it said, hey, I'm plugged in the vine. Things are going good and they're just going to keep getting better, right? Because I'm producing fruit. So maybe it means 
that he is going to just multiply my fruit, prosperity. I love God. He's going to give me the raise I want. I love God. He's going to give me the cars, you know, all the things that I want, all the success I could ever dream of because I love God. But no, it doesn't say that. It says uh, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He's going to sit there and he's like, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. And you are plugging in. But man, we're going to take that away and you're going to be even better, right? And things are, I mean, there's going to be more fruit involved. Every season of spiritual growth for me has come during moments of pruning. Some of you may know our story a little bit with, with my wife, Leodra. Short, short version is over the last six years, she's had three brain surgeries. She went from being this walking around giant smile everywhere she went to having these debilitating headaches where she just could not even pull herself out of bed. And through a series of doctor's visits and these procedures, um, finally in the last year, man, we have seen God heal her from that. And it has been amazing to walk through that. But I would love to sit back and tell you that, you know, as a follower of Christ, as a guy who wants to pursue his family, as a guy who wants to pursue his wife, that I did everything right, man, I was not prepared to be the husband that I needed to be at that time. I just wasn't. And God had to prune me. I had to sit back and say, do I really believe that uh, whenever I said for sickness and in health that I meant that, right? Well, he got tested. And I wish I could sit back and say, man, I handled it perfect, but I did not. But through that season of pain and confusion of how, God, I'm, we're bearing fruit. This is happening. This is so tough. God, what do I do? And, and in the middle of that, of that happening, you know, my uncle gets cancer. And he's like, man, I finally got this father figure in my life. Man, I desperately want it. And you just take it away from me. God, what are you doing, right? That doesn't make sense. But God's just pruning me and saying, no, no, no. I am the power source. If you want to bear fruit, mm, plug into me. The Father keeps us healthy. God mentions us in this as well. And what are we to do? Over the next six verses, he mentions this word ten times. He mentions the word abide. Now, I don't know about you, but abide is not usually in my dictionary words that I'm using on a regular basis. One, because I'm from Texas. If I say the word abide, everybody's going to be like, yep, that's that guy's country, right? And our headquarters are in New York for the company. I just can't use those type of words. It's like, hey, yonder, you know, they're just not going to listen to me anymore. But what what does this word abide truly mean? Well, what it means is it means to make your home, to remain in, or to dwell. So when you think about this, when you think about abiding in something, I don't know if you ever go on a vacation or anything like that, um, and you're gone for a few days, and you start getting this weird feeling, right? You're like, wait, I'm on vacation, I'm in paradise, I'm not working, I'm getting away, this is exactly what I want. And then you start to want to go back home. Anybody else ever experienced that? It's kind of a weird feeling, right? But that's it. It's like, man, that's where you've made your home. That's where your routine is. That's where you're comfortable. That's where peace is. And you start to want to get back to that. Jesus is saying, "Mm, make, abide in me. Make me your home. Dwell in me. Remain in me. Don't pop that in and out. Don't keep trying to do things on your own. No, no, stay 
plugged in. Come in close. Abide. Plug in the power source. That is what God is saying in these verses. Now, it's one thing to sit there and say, hey, plug into the power source. How do you do that, right? Let's be practical. I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday you sit here and everything seems so great, right? And like, oh, mm, Mike's killing it. I agree with everything he's saying. Um, and I, I, I go out those doors and I think, I'm, I'm going to do this this week. I'm going to do it. I, and then life happens, you know. My Monday reports don't kick back. All of a sudden, my buyer's starting to hammer, hammer me on something. Whatever it happens, right? And then all of a sudden, one of the kids is acting up. Babysitter called. And then life is just crazy again. And I'm just like, ah. I will go a whole week and I didn't even implement what he said, although I agree with it, right? Well, Jesus gives us some things. The first thing you have to do when you're abiding in him is you have to have faith in Jesus. And I'm not talking about, hey, a verbal acknowledgement that Jesus did what he did, right? I'm talking about faith, abiding, making your home. You have to have a full understanding of what the work of Jesus did, why he came, right? And you have to understand that Jesus did all this because he loves us. God gave us this chance, right? Didn't wipe the earth clean, didn't send another flood. No, he gave us a way back to God. He came back and he redeemed us. He didn't come back to make good or bad men good. No, he came to make dead men alive, right? When you understand that and you let that settle and you surrender your life and say, you know what? Nothing, nothing is worth loving more than Jesus, right? Nothing is. Then you begin to abide in him. Just knock everything else out. Quit trying so hard. Quit trying so hard and just surrender everything to Jesus, right? And he says, you can't bear fruit without him anyway, right? If you want to bear fruit, if you want to be productive in your faith, focus on Jesus. Second part says right here in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abide in his word. Like this isn't just a book, right? These are the words and stories of God. And they have a purpose. They have a purpose. And the purpose isn't just to make you a better person. No, it is a story of how God loves us so much that he would give up his son and that he would redeem us fully back into his family. Where we were not worthy, he still pulled us back in. Ah, oh, I can tell you, I've gotten in this habit of getting on my phone for these uh, devotionals and for my Bible studies. And, and I like it, you know, because I can, I can click down. I can get down to these other words. I can say, oh, what does that word mean? And it gives me a dictionary. Or I can say, hey, here's a concordance. And I feel like a Bible scholar. And I'm like, whew, I feel pretty smart, you know. But I'm telling you, I went to Camp Siloam this, uh, this summer with a group of third, fourth, and fifth graders. And I just took my Bible with me. Uh, and it sounds bad, right? Uh, duh, of course you take your Bible to church camp, right? Uh, I've been just carrying around my phone way too much, relying on it. And I just got under a tree and I just opened the Word of God and I just started reading. And you just get, man, it was just so sweet to sit there 
and read these words from a God who loves me and think, man, he thought of everything. Just let it kind of just penetrate your soul. So we abide by getting in his word, right? And then there's this other part. When we get down to verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you, love, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Isn't it crazy to hear the word love and then you hear the word commandments next to it? Isn't it crazy that commandment, or, uh, love can be a commandment? It's hard for me to kind of grasp some of these things. But if anybody's married, I think you have a pretty good idea of what this is like, you know? You see that, that spouse of yours and you're just like, oh, I think I like them. Those little tinglies turn into love. And then you start noticing some things like, man, if we're going to have true intimacy, they got to know everything about me. And you start telling them like these, your deepest, darkest secrets. And you're like, oh, they may not know. They still like me. This is awesome. You know, it's this back and forth. It's a relationship. That's kind of how it works. Uh, some of y'all may take some notes on that. I know I needed to at one point. But you sit back and me and my wife, when we got married, I, there were some things about me that, uh, that needed probably some fixing, right? If we're going to live long term like this, for instance, um, do you vacuum first or dust first? Or is it the other way around? Because, you know, if you, if you vacuum, it stirs up dust and then you, what's the point? You already dusted, right? You got dust again. Or you dust and you get everything down on the floor and then you vacuum it up, right? This is important things, right? Um, and we had to work this out. I mean, and it took a little bit and I realized, you know what? I love her. I love her. So I did the right thing and I said, fine, we'll do whatever you say to do. Right. And, but I did that because I love her. It's the same thing with Jesus. It's like, Jesus, I love you. You did this for me. And I read your word and I want to love the things that God loves. And, and in his word, here are some commandments like, oh, maybe I should stop being that kind of person right? But not because if I stop being that kind of person, God loves me. No, because I love God, I'm going to change. So that's the way it flows. And that's what, that's why I say loving obedience. And here's the deal too, is a lot of us, we sit back and we're like, man, I know God, here's the, here's the needs within the church or out in the community or within my family, but I'm just not really good at those things. Those aren't my talents. I'm going to tell you, God wants your obedience more than he wants your talents. When I'm in the mission field, we sit back and I try to pick out who is going to, like, we're doing trainings, we're going to send them out. And I'm like, these people have been answering all the questions. They got the best English. That's going to be the one who's going to go out and, and share the good news. They are like the next Paul here. It's awesome, right? So they send them out. They come back the next day. And all of a sudden, it's like the 90-year-old grandma on the back. She's like, yeah, I shared with 20 people. Five of them got saved and I brought them with me, you know? And the person I thought was like, oh yeah, I can't stay and I got to leave, right? Like we measure people by their talents. God measures people by their obedience. So here's my deal. Like, man, what is God calling you to? That's what Mike said. We're looking for people's callings. We're not looking for your talents. We're looking for your calling and how you can be obedient to God. Why, why do we do all this, right? Why does God want us to plug into him? Um, what happens when we plug in, right? Well, it's this thing. It's, they say it over and over. It's to bear fruit, right? Now, 
lot of times in our American minds, we think bear fruit, we kind of turn it into an activity, right? We're thinking, oh, I'm going to plug into God and I'm going to do this. No, we want you to think about character. In Galatians 5, God gives us kind of the character changes that happen when you start plugging into them. This is the fruit that God is going to do through you. He says, Be the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the things of God. These are when you plug into the power, the results. That when you're struggling at work and you're like, just give me a new job. No, maybe, maybe it's plugging in the power and get the patience that you need to handle that. Or man, if my family would just focus on Jesus, right? Then everything would be fine. Or if they would just obey me, right? No, maybe God needs to give you the self-control to lead well. So when you plug into the power, it's not what's next for you. It's what's changing in you. And why? Why do we want to change all this? To give God the glory, right? That's what all of this is about. I brought a branch with me today. I think it's a pretty cool branch. It wasn't hard to find, right? We had some storms this week. It took a lot of branches down. Now, you see this branch... Do you know what the future of this branch is? Do you know what's going to happen to it? I mean, I do kids, man, so I don't ask hard questions necessarily. It's pretty easy, right? This branch is going to die. The leaves are going to shrivel up, and it's going to be taken away. Actually, I'm probably going to take it away today. You know, I've got no use for it. It's no good. Now, is there anything we could do to stop this process for this branch right now? No, it's not. It's no longer plugged into this power source, right? I, I I can grab the brightest people in this room right here, and we could strategize, and we could do everything that we we possibly can think of. But there's nothing we we can't grab it. We can't say bear fruit. Fruit won't appear. It does not matter. I don't have that power, right? But you know what we could do? I, I got an idea. Um, we could tape it back to a tree. We could maybe hot glue it if we get an extension cord out there. And then we could get whatever fruit. This is cool because, you know, it's not just the fruit that produces. We could decide the fruit and we could just like tape it on, right? We could do that. And at least it will look like it's producing fruit. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But isn't that what we do at church so many times? We sit back and we're like, I'm not plugging in the power source, but I got to show up on Sunday and I got I to gotta make myself look like I know what I'm doing. So I'm going to pretend like I, oh yeah, everything's good, right? Here's the fruits. I can prove that everything's good because look at, look at what's going on in my life, right? Uh, but you're not truly plugged into the power. Or maybe it's this, is like, man, I know I'm not plugged into Jesus. I know I'm not plugged into Jesus, but you know what? Uh, I've, I've found other power sources. I've, I've plugged into my career. And then you redefine what the fruit is. And you say, uh, yeah, instead of having, um, you know, joy, peace, you know what I, I do? I have a strong career 
that I make lots of money. Um, I got this 401k account. We go on vacations. Uh, you know, that's pretty good fruit. I'm successful, right? Or maybe, maybe it's this, you plug it into your family, right? And you say, boom, right there. That's a good place to plug it into. It may not be Jesus, but hey, it's not bad. And my kids are going to be my fruit because I'm going to invest in pouring them. I'm going to make sure they have everything that they need to succeed. And I am going to have fruit based on that, right? Isn't that what we end up doing? And those are just a couple of examples, right, that I can relate to that I tend to fall into. And that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. Jesus is asking us to plug into the right power source, the only power source that matters, to do the only thing that matters, to bear the fruit that matters, because that fruit glorifies God. Maybe you're sitting there and you're looking at that and you say, you know what, I can relate to that branch. I can relate to that branch because I know I'm not plugged into anything. And I know right now I am just shriveling up inside and I'm dying and I've tried everything and nothing works. And I even come into church and I try to sing the worship songs, but nothing is changing in here. Maybe that's you. Here's my challenge first thing that has to happen, the very first thing that has to happen is you must abide. You must plug into the power source. And I know you're saying, how? Is it reading your Bible? Yes, it is that. Is it praying? Yes, it can be that too. Is it going to the top of a mountain and looking at the sunset and saying only God could create this? Yes, it's that too. It's whatever stirs your affections for God. It's whatever, whatever just makes you closer to Him. That's abiding in Him. But you have to understand the work of Jesus Christ. You have to understand that you, by not being plugged into God, are living in sin right now, away from Him. And that you have to pull yourself. No, you don't. You have to surrender. You have to surrender everything and say, I can't do it anymore, God. I need Jesus and Jesus alone because he's the only one that can redeem your relationship with God the Father. So if you have not had a decision to make Christ not just Savior but Lord of your life where you are following and pursuing after him, And today can be that day. We'll have people around that are willing to pray for you during during the worship service. Please do that. Get that nailed down. Now, for the other ones of us in here, um, we get distracted, right? Paul says, I'm a chief among sinners. Man, I just continually, I just don't get plugged into God. I want to focus on other things. Paul said that. It makes sense why the rest of us would feel the same way. But man, my challenge to you is just to take that next step in whatever it looks like to abide. If you're not doing your Bible study, man, just get in the Word. But not because, hey, it's going to get you closer to God. Do it because, man, you want to love God more. So I want to get in His Word more. 
man, I want to love God more, so I want to pray more. I want to love God more, so I want to act of obedience. I mean, I want to, I want to serve Him. I'm going to get out in Kid Nation or the youth group or whatever God's calling you to do. Just take that next step, whatever it is. Start plugging in to the power source. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful for the opportunity to get into your word and to look through your truth, Father. And God, we ask that you would just work within us, that only the power that you have, Lord, would flow through our veins and that we would act out in loving obedience, that whatever that next step is, God, that we would have the courage to not try to do it on our own, but to surrender, Lord, and to be obedient to you, Father. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.